FDBHDD is reminding Georgians to ask their doctor about alternatives to opioid pain medication. Alternatives such as over-the-counter medications and physical therapy can be used to manage pain. More information at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Thanks so much for joining us for our show today. We're glad to have you all here. Uh, Of course, as usual, if you want to see us on the air, you can go to Facebook, go to the GPB news page, and you can watch our Facebook live feed. We love it when you leave comments about the show there. And, uh, of course, if you want to tweet us, we're at politicsgpb. Uh, Let's get right to our show today, though, because it's a good one. We are really thrilled to have with us the 73rd Speaker of the Georgia House of Representatives, David Ralston. Uh, David, you, Mr. Speaker, you, um, you've been Speaker since, what, 2010? Correct. Blue Ridge is your home base. Represent, what is it, House District 7? That's right. Up there, which takes in, what's the territory up there? It's all of Fannin County, all of Gilmer County, and a uh, western slice of Dawson County around Amicola Falls, Big Canoe part of uh, Dawson County. You uh, grew up really in Elegy, though. I did. Uh, went to Gilmer County High School and Young Harris College. Have you got that right so far? You have. And uh, North Georgia College, and you got your law degree at the University of Georgia. Correct. Okay, I just want to make sure I got those credentials right. Jim Galloway's here. We never never had that many speakers from North Georgia, did we? Never had one. Yeah, that's what I thought. Is that that right? Are you the first speaker from up that way? I am. The the two most northernmost speakers were Speaker Murphy from Bremen and uh, Speaker uh, Dick Russell from Winder. Wow. from that, uh, you can draw a line from one of those towns to the other, and north of that line, there's never had never been a speaker before. Well, we're glad that you are here with us today. We know you have a really uh, uh, important and uh, uh, probably eventful session coming up. We're going to swear in a brand new governor on Monday, uh, the same day that you gavel the House to order for the session. Um, you know, before we talk about things coming up, Jim Galloway, I, I want to start with some news that Tom Faust, our senior producer, just shared with me. Apparently, you all at the AJC just reported that um, Governor Deal has a new job that yeah. he announced. Yeah, yeah he's going to be Professor Deal. Teaching at the University of Georgia. At the University of Georgia, which is uh, the School of Law, I think, there, and which is a little bit, uh, it's, that's interesting. I think he got his degree from Mercer. He did. So, so, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they grabbed him. Three years, three years, uh, $120,000 salary a year. So that gives us an opportunity to just, for a couple minutes, uh, Mr. Speaker, it, tell us about the legacy of Nathan Dill. Leaves office as one of the most popular, bipartisan popular governors in the state of Georgia. Why is that? I think it was uh, not just his accomplishments, but his governing style. Uh, I tell people every day, uh, many times every day, that uh, we're going to miss this governor. He has done a a tremendous job um, uh, steering the ship of state through times, uh, uh, particularly early in his administration, uh, when uh, the financial picture was very lean here. And, um, uh, you know, but he focused on doing uh, some things and, 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 you know, you go back to preserving the Hope Scholarship Program, uh, helping us on the fight on transportation funding, um, criminal justice reform, uh, 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 an amazing landmark for him to leave, um, uh, helping create a climate for business here in the state that uh, – uh, has has resulted in unprecedented job growth. Uh, I think over seven hundred thousand new jobs in the private sector. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of states are are very envious of our record here. But I think it's not. It's, it, 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 it's more than the things he accomplished. I think it was the manner in which he governed. Uh, he's a very collaborative uh, governor. Um, uh, 
we had, uh, I think we were able to get a lot of things done because he obviously had very strong views on many issues, but he also would listen to opposing uh, viewpoints, uh, and he respected those, um, and um, uh, he respected those who might take issue with his viewpoint. Um, so, um, so I, I, that that was a, that kind of style. I think uh, uh, really uh, um, uh, endeared him to many members of the General Assembly and people who uh, had an opportunity to observe state government up close. On, on, on that point, uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, one of the things that I, I think uh, Governor Deal did that that was uh, was was unique was that he he kind of understood the link between economic development and these great cultural debates that we've got that we've had, uh, you know, and and he came down on on this side or on that side of them, but 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 he always made sure that 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 cultural debate didn't dominate the situation. Talking about, say, religious liberty. Re- religious liberty, even, yep. even, even, even guns on campuses. Campus carry. So I guess one, one question is, is, is that a lesson that will stick? Well, I hope so. Um, you know, I think that remains to be seen. Um, obviously, uh, everyone that goes into that office has their own viewpoints and, uh, and, and, and their own um uh, place that they will come down uh, on that. So um, uh, I'm optimistic that it will. Um, I think that he uh, he did not uh, um, belittle those cultural issues, but it was, as you said, it was more of a, uh, they were confined to one place and then the economic development issues were uh, separated out and, and and I think the state is better for that. Uh, and if you need proof of that, you can look at some of our uh, uh, neighbor states, uh, North Carolina and Arkansas and Indiana. Uh, as governor or the, the vice president would probably uh, agree. Uh, so, um, uh, but yeah, he did uh, uh, manage to to do that in a very very. Uh, productive and positive way. Let, let's do this. I want to, we're going to get into a little bit about uh, Brian Kemp, uh, some of the things that he ran on, uh, the issues that he ran on, and, and talk to you about which of those you think are likely to actually uh, come up in this session of the General Assembly. But before we get to that, um, as regular listeners to our show know, uh, Representative Mary Margaret Oliver, the Democrat, was on the show yesterday. And just as we are about to go on the air, she got the email that you sent out to all of your members announcing you had created a special committee that is going to continue the work on rural health care that you had had a special uh, uh, task force looking at for quite some time. And when we saw your email, we all wondered just how broadly the mandate, how broad the mandate was going to be in terms of whether this was going to be just about rural health care. Could it be statewide? Could it include Medicaid? So let's just listen to a brief portion of yesterday and then talk to you about it now. I have been fairly discouraged. Uh, that's, That's a mild word for how I felt about the Republican leadership failure to use the opportunity to take, without any obligation, $9 million a day for Medicaid expansion. And the discussion has always been, well, we're going to do something, we're going to do something. And I've been very, very reluctant to believe that. But this email, because it comes from the most stable leader, the the one we know um, Mm -hmm. in the Capitol, the Speaker, gives me some hope. I love Mary Margaret Oliver. She knows how to wrap a slightly, you know, thorny message with a love letter to you. (laughs) Help us understand what the mandate of this committee, which you've appointed Sharon Cooper of Cobb County as co-chair of. What are you going to do with that? Well, I prefer to look at the love letter part of uh, (laughs) of our message. Uh, And I do. I I have to greatest uh, uh, respect and, and love for Mary Margaret. She and I, uh, uh, I admire her, and she's one of the most decent and honorable people I know. We've served in 
state government together now for uh, a number of years, and uh, she's uh, she 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 really is a uh, class person. She's uh, she's just wrong on this issue. <laughs> she often is uh, <laughs> that I tell her. Um, you know the you know the 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 decision to do this was a decision that I kind of I've, I've uh, wrestled with for many many months now. If you look at the history of uh, of this issue, uh, and I'm specifically I guess the larger issue or uh, most prominent part of this. Uh, the work of this committee is likely to be the certificate of need discussion. This is something, you know, we've, we've had bills introduced and we've kind of danced around and we've had rhetoric about it for a long time. Uh, but it's never really uh, has, uh, has, has, in my view at least, has gotten um, the kind of attention and real debate and real analysis that it deserved uh, and that Georgians uh, uh, need to have before we make a decision on what we do about this. I mean, there are some powerful interests lined up on one side or the other of this issue, um, but the interest that needs to be safeguarded is that of patients uh, and consumers of health care in Georgia. Uh, and it's time we put them back in 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 uh, in, in the focus here, uh, and 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 so I'm hoping that that will be prominent on the minds of the members of the committee. So so I thought it was important to have some some fresh uh, eyes and some eyes that had seen the issue from work on the Rural Development Council. Um, and, and and really, I uh, it was people that that I thought had a strong interest uh, in the issue, and I really wasn't uh, um, trying to play a geographic area against geographic area on this because I think it's a uh, it is a statewide issue. Jim, uh, so it sounds like the Medicaid expansion of Medicaid, is, which is of course what Mary Mary Margaret was getting off getting at here, is may not be. Well, well, let me, let me ask. Let, let, let's 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 frame that question. Okay, uh, first of all, let's let's define uh, for for listeners. Let's define a certificate of need. It's it's kind of a a forty year program uh, that that Georgia has used to limit com, uh, competition among hospitals and other healthcare providers in order uh, theoretically to lower cost. I mean, there's a lot of debate over whether that has actually worked here, uh, Mr. Speaker. Is 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 there a potential bargain on the table? Because the hospitals, the hospitals of Georgia, especially in the rural areas, they want to see some sort of Medicaid waiver or expansion. The legislature has been struggling with the CON issue for years and for decades. Uh, it's 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 not much liked. Is uh, is is, uh, is is there a, is one for the other? A possibility. Oh, I, don't I, 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 I don't view it as one for the other at all. Um, I think that uh, you can uh, th- these can stand alone as as issues. Uh, um, you know, my record or my position on Medicaid expansion is clear. Um, I uh, uh, I don't view that as a sustainable uh, solution uh, here in Georgia. Um, I, I I've gotten cautionary tales from other states of whose leaders I've discussed this with. Um, now, I do, uh, I have read and in, in that uh, uh, the governor-elect is, um, has some interest in perhaps Medicaid waivers. I don't have, I have not seen any detail on that, so I'm not sure uh, exactly what his proposal would be, but certainly as the governor-elect, he's entitled to have that considered uh, by the General Assembly, and My we, understanding, we, we would consider it. I apologize for interrupting. My understanding, based on his, some of his comments on the campaign trail, uh, is that what he talked about with waivers is, is there a way that um, the legislature, that, that the state can get a waiver from the feds that would allow for um, funds to supplement 
the cost of insurance in Georgia. Is that basically what you understand it to be as well? It, it is, and I think there's also been some discussion about a, uh, a work requirement yeah. uh, in those uh, in that waiver, and, and and certainly that would be something I think that would uh, uh, that would merit discussion. The, prop, the the issue, Jim, becomes. If you're talking about supplementing insurance costs, that isn't helping expand coverage to the neediest Georgians necessarily. No, no, but it is. It's 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 it's, you're reaching a a population that isn't isn't reflexively uh, 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 signing up for for ACA or or anything like that. if it's if 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 we're talking about stabilizing uh, premiums on the on on the ACA, is 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 that one reason why why Richard Smith uh, you named Richard Smith chairman? I mean he's he's chairman of the House Insurance Committee. No, that really wasn't why I named him. I named him because uh, I don't know that there's anyone whose integrity is more uh, beyond reproach in the House than Richard Smith. He's an honorable man. Uh, he, he he he's stubborn as he can be. Uh, but he's smart, uh, and he will dr- drill down into this issue um, in in a in a in a in a very very uh, intense way. Um, but yet he will be fair to both sides, and he has no he doesn't bring a history mm-hmm. uh, on the issue to the table. Uh, so um, that was why uh, I selected him to chair it. Yeah. You've got four Democrats on there. It's a 15-member panel. You've got four Democrats. One of them is Calvin Smyrie. And whenever whenever a Republican need, is, th- thinks that he, he, he might need Republican or uh, Democratic votes, uh, you, you <laughs> kind of s- suddenly see Smyrie at the table <laughs> there. Is is am, am I reading that right? Well, he would love hearing you say that. I, <laughs> I hope he's listening. Calvin's very, very respected. Uh, I mean, he he, uh, he he's at a point in his uh, legislative career where he he kind of transcends party, uh, or at least in my view, he does. He, Longest serving member of the General he Assembly. He is. He is, and and um, so he just brings a great deal of maturity and wisdom to whatever issue it is, and 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 he's been a great ally on. Whether on transportation funding and on transit, uh, and uh, so I felt like that uh, um, his experience would be uh, very, very beneficial uh, to the work of this. And I, I named uh, other Democrats to it too because I think it's important to be bipartisan. Let me, let me, if I could, uh, move to a, a subject that uh, played a big role. I think it's fair to say in the gubernatorial campaign, um, Brian Kemp. Uh, announced that he was uh, looking at a $5,000 raise for K through 12 teachers in Georgia. And uh, it's what, a $700 million uh, nut that that brings along with it, something in that neighborhood, I think. You have been, I think, when you were have, were asked about that, you, you sounded a cautious note in terms of the funding for that. But it was interesting that yesterday, again, with Ed Lindsay, a former uh, legislator, Republican, and Mary Margaret, the Democrats sitting here, they both said, well, this is something the legislature could probably come together and work on. I don't know about that. Could you, could you imagine implementing that, only having to do it over a period of years instead of sessions rather than all at once? Well, what get, what, what what's kind of gotten lost in this discussion is the fact that uh, under Nathan Deal, uh, we have uh, taken huge strides in making teacher compensation more competitive in Georgia. Um, and um, so I think we have to start at that point. Um, then we st- then we look at, you know, how do we fund it? I mean, as you mentioned, it's, it's a big ticket item. Uh, I've, the budget people in the House that I've uh, been talking to tell me that, that uh, the natural growth of Medicaid, leaving aside, you know, any changes in the program, the natural growth is going to exceed $200 million uh, in the next budget. So that you, you have that ticket. You have, um, I'm not sure that we're finished uh, with what we need to do to help Southwest Georgia on the hurricane relief. And so, we're going to have to go back and take a look at that, and and that that will, 
if there are unmet needs that the state needs to meet, now's the time to do that there, and we'll have to determine uh, what that might be. Um, so, um, you know, we'll, we're, we're going to take a look at it. Uh, it's a lot of money, um, um, and um, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, I, I do applaud the governor-elect for uh, making this issue um, uh, front and center. Uh, that, that tells me that he's going to make education a real priority in his administration, uh, and I think he's to be commended for that. Um, I'm sure we'll get to other topics. Go ahead. Well, I just know I was going to give the speaker <clears throat> first crack at it. What's the one thing we 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 haven't been talking about? I mean, in in, in our conversations, even even that came up uh, uh, at the at the biennial uh, in in December. What are we what are we not talking about that you see as the surprise issue of the session? <laughs> There's always one. There's always one, and but it always it never comes along until the session gets going. Uh, I, I don't know, Jim. Uh, I mean, you know, there's there's you know, we've talked about some of the issues that are out there. Uh, the budget's obviously going to be uh, 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 important, and and I think people are really interested in this budget because it'll be the first Kemp budget, mm-hmm. um, and it will sort of reflect what his. Uh, priorities are going to be um uh you know uh, well let me toss out okay uh, yeah. uh, 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 uh concealed carry without a permit an issue that brian kemp uh, talked about on the campaign trail well um he and i may not agree on everything uh and you know we have taken some big steps to strengthen the protections of Georgians under the Second Amendment, and I'm I'm very proud of those. With the the bill we passed in 2014, uh, that uh, uh, Representative Rick Jaspers and Representative Mandy Ballinger to, uh, led the charge on to expand the places that uh, if you had a permit you could carry. I think was a was a very very good bill. Um, Campus carry, frankly, I think was a good bill that we passed in 2016 or 17. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, 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 I don't know what the appetite's going to be uh, uh, for that kind of uh, legislation uh, in the in the House. Uh, and um, but I, I'm. I'm we're going to, I'm, but, I'm going to take a very, very uh, cautious view. Well, let me ask a question sort of based on that. Uh, you certainly know uh, that uh, Metro Atlanta has turned bluer than it's been in a long time. It's been along that northern arc there, Cobb County, Gwinnett County, uh, both uh, turning more and more blue. Cobb County elects a Democrat to the United States House. Um, and Brian Kemp did not do particularly well in Metro obviously did well in rural for the most part. How, to what extent do you as a political leader now have to look at the kind of legislation that comes forward in this session as you similarly try to make sure that those areas don't slip even further from Republican grasp? And and certainly things like uh, not having a permit for a weapon, religious liberty. There are any number of measures that could hurt the, uh, Republicans even more conceivably uh, if they if they get a lot of attention this session. Well, I think I do have some responsibility there, and I take it very seriously. Um, I think that Georgians expect us to uh, govern in a very responsible way and in a very uh, productive way. Um, um, uh, you know, I don't really run out and do polls on all these issues. Um, leave that to us. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let y'all do the polls, but you know, but I do talk to people and, 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 and so yeah, I, I do know the concerns. Uh, I've talked with many of the candidates that, uh, we had some very, very good candidates who came up short in November in the metro area. And I've talked with most all of those and they, I know their views on on these issues and the 
what kind of role it may have played. But, you know, I also talked to people in, uh, in the area I live in. And I, I, I frequently tell people, and I say this proudly, I probably have more gun racks in the back of pickup trucks in yeah. my county yeah. than any other county in Georgia. So uh, this is not exactly a, uh, um, uh, a county that's ready to disarm, okay? I have had two people in my 30, 20-plus years, ever how long I've been here, I've had two individuals mention to me that they thought they ought to be able to carry without a permit. I, 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 you know, frankly, I, I wonder how much of this issue is being ginned up by, uh, by an extreme uh, fringe special interest group um, that uh, is looking, obviously, to, uh, you know, raise funds and do all the things that these groups do. Um, so, um, uh, I and I've had, um, I think we've had one bill dropped in the, in the House, um, but I've had many, many House members express to me their uh, concern that we'll even take it up. Um, and uh, so I'll leave it there. What 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 will what will be your your message when the when the House Republican Caucus gets together about about how how y'all go about selecting issues that you're going to 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 live and die by during this session? Well, I think we have to uh, we have to focus on what we're doing. We focus on the fact uh, we actually talk about things that we talked about that we did last year that got drowned out by some of these other issues uh, in the election cycle. Uh, I mean, like we, the decrease in, in income tax. Yeah, we cut, cut income tax. We fully funded QBE. We put uh, state funds into school safety plans. Uh, we did adoption reform. I mean, the, we had, it was an amazing session in terms of, of accomplishment and positive things that we could go out and run on. Uh, and then we have, you know, these one or two issues that come along and kind of, uh, you know, kind of, kind of drown that. And, 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 uh, and that is hurtful. And I think we've got to uh, be very, very careful in what we do and maybe do less of that kind of thing. Well, you also had President Trump sucking all the oxygen out of the local and state political uh, atmosphere. I mean, very difficult, it seems to me. You mentioned all those accomplishments, but it very difficult with the loud voice of President Trump to get too far past him when you want to try to deal with the local issues that matter to you, isn't it? Well, you know, the, 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 the president is, is, is a... Um, I guess dichotomy is the word uh, for for however unpopular he may be in metro areas. He is at least that popular, if not more so, in rural Georgia. Sure, I mean Brian Kemp proves that. <laughs> I mean, point made. Yeah. So I mean, um, um, you know, I I quite free. he got he carried my district two years ago. With 82% of the vote, I was kind of happy. I, I beat him, though, up there this past November. I got 84, 85%. <laughs> uh, but, uh, 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 and, but so, you know, I think it's how, you know, we, we have to, to, to understand if you are a, um, a, a strong, strong supporter of the president that there are not everybody in Georgia agrees with you. And by the same token, if you just detest this president and you think he ought not be in office, not every person in Georgia agrees with you. Um, I know your time is limited here, so let me let me get something in before we, we before we we uh, uh, we have to, to lose you. And that and that is uh, we've got a, a federal shutdown uh, that is uh, that is moving into its third week uh, pretty quickly. Uh, I think uh, David Perdue was on the uh, on 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 Bloomberg, Bloomberg news, on Bloomberg news uh, and, and said it could last a couple more weeks. Uh, we we haven't been, we haven't uh, for 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 logistical reasons. I'm sure we haven't heard from Brian Kemp on on what effect this is having on on the on the state budget. And of course, Nathan Deal at this point is deferring to him. But I mean, can you give us any kind of reading 
on what the impact thus far uh, has been on, on, on state finances and operations and, and, and what you're watching to make sure to, 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 when you'll piss, uh, push the, uh, the red button to panic? Well, I think that the, 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 the areas of government that are shut down are areas that um, um, I hate to say that they could probably, uh, you know, it's not, not not the military and uh, and and, oper- and you do and, have a lot of federal parks in your area. Yeah, we do have parks, uh, and uh, and we got the world's busiest airport out here, and so you have TSA and. Uh, all the operations, uh, some of those are, are federal in nature, and so we'll be keeping an eye uh, on uh, on on the airport and 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 the parks. Um, you know, the parks. Uh, obviously, uh, I mean, we're all this. Uh, you know, we all want this to end and 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 and, and be resolved. Uh, this is really not a way to operate a government. Uh, and um, I'm thankful we don't operate here in Georgia that way. Let me, um, with the limited time we mm-hmm. have, take on and ask you about another issue that gained probably far more national attention than you would certainly have wished it, it had, and that's questions about the integrity of Georgia's election. Uh, we've said on this show any number of times that the national media, uh, I think, has painted a darker picture of how elections are operated here in Georgia. I've said that Brian Kemp may have uh, contributed to that by not recusing himself from overseeing the elections, but but whatever. The point is, right now, you know this, uh, nationally, there are people looking at Georgia with great skepticism. You're going to get a number of uh, election reform bills in this session. There are going to be some efforts probably to eliminate exact match. There may be some efforts to standardize how elections are run across the state. Do you believe that we're at a point where Georgia needs a major reform in how we run our elections? Or are there selective areas that you're most concerned about? I don't think we're at a point where we need a major reform of our election laws. Uh, I think our election laws are are basically sound. I think we have to always monitor our technology to make sure that it's state-of-the-art and it's current. Uh, I do know that the Secretary of State's uh, SAFE Commission is going to issue its um, report uh, tomorrow, I think, uh, and, and so we'll have that to, for our consideration. That, that uh, dealing with uh, how we vote in 2020 and beyond, what kind of uh, apparatus right. we use to vote. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, and so we'll, we'll be uh, uh, monitoring that. Uh, but no, I think we did take a fair, uh, an unfair uh, hit uh, uh, over um, um, some of these practices and, and, and you know, uh, um, you know, stories about election uh, shenanigans. I mean, are are uh, are part of the culture all over Georgia and all over the South, I guess, for that matter. And hey, even I'm in from other Chicago, areas. Mr. Speaker. Oh well, then, <laughs> then we 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 try to mimic you, and we we we're not successful. Go but, ahead. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, so I mean, you have these kind of things, but. Uh, uh, I mean, in, in terms of uh, the governor-elect not resigning or recusing himself, I mean, he conducted himself as as every secretary of state that had run for another office had for um, Kathy Cox, going back to her and some of the others. Uh, I think uh, Kathy recused herself during her run for governor from overseeing the election itself. But go ahead. I'll check that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that, that was, uh, and, and, and so much of this is dealt with at the local level. So the secretary of state's more sort of a information, uh, warehouse, if you will, uh, uh as opposed to, um, you know, calling balls and strikes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I but you did raise an interesting point, um, it, there, it, it does feel as though not just that on one hand, Georgians want to be reassured that their election is run with mm-hmm. integrity and their votes are counted accurately. You know that. 
and, and there are some concerns about that probably right now. And then as far as the national image goes, I think you're also right. Uh, 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 national reporters looked and said they didn't understand that a county has control over its uh, way it runs its elections. And so they looked and blamed it all on the state. Nevertheless, there's some reputation repair that has got to be done you want to keep attracting business to Georgia. You want the state to be thought of in positive ways, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think we always have to uh, to do uh, that which we need to do um, from a from to, to you know to keep an economic climate the way you want it to. Uh, but but I think you have to recognize too that there are there are some. Uh, uh, in in the national media and other places that uh, you know they're never going to accept the truth and uh, uh, or accept uh, the, the the reality whether it's good bad or in between. Do you have any, do you have any uh, preference as to as to what kind of uh, next generation voting machine we should be going after? Whether whether uh, OptiScan with with a real paper ballot or uh, or or something more modified. You know, I'd, I'd, uh, I'm not technologically savvy enough to get down into the details of what I would prefer. I think we need, I think the absolute worst case that we could do is to go back to a paper ballot. And I know some in the other party want to do that. I'm open to talking about a paper backup, but I think we continue to use the technology that we have uh, that's that's evolving and advancing. Uh, I mean, if it's good enough in business and medicine and uh, other, other parts of our lives, then certainly it ought to be good enough to have a fair election. Speaker Ralston, you've been really generous with your time. We've kept you a little longer than we said we would, and, and we're grateful to you for coming. And we wish you well on this upcoming session of the uh, legislature. It should be, we're really looking forward to watching how you all work with the new governor of the state taking on some of the crucial issues that uh, we face in this session. So, again, thank you, Mr. Speaker. It's been great to have you here. Thank let's you, Bill do, and Jim. Let's do this. Let's take a break. And um, Speaker Ralston has got to get back downtown, and we'll come back, Galloway and I, and we'll have some, some comments to make as we move toward the end of the show. You know, selling a car can be a hassle, but donating it is a whole different story. Let us take it off your hands or off your driveway and turn it into public radio and maybe even a tax deduction. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the host of Marketplace, and here is how to donate. Call 877-GPB-1-CAR or donate securely online at gpb.org slash cars. And thanks. people whose names you see at the end of a movie or a TV show. I'm Kalina Bowler. I've worked for years behind the scenes in Georgia's booming film industry. In my GPB podcast, I meet the people who help bring art to life, from actors to stuntmen to camera operators. Join me for the credits. Subscribe at thecreditspodcast.com. On the next Fresh Air, Rachel Maddow and Mike Yarvitz talk about their podcast, Bagman, about the bribery and extortion scandal that led Nixon's first vice president, Spiro Agnew, to be forced out of office. The podcast reveals some new twists in that story. It's a story that has important parallels and lessons that relate to the current investigations into President Trump. Join us. Fresh Air is this afternoon at 3 on GPB and gpbnews.org. My name is Dana Brown. I am the program manager at the Georgia Adoption Reunion Registry. Our goal is to help persons impacted by adoption experience healthy reconnections to impact healthy well-being. We underwrite with GPB because of your extensive listening audience that covers the state of Georgia. It's an effective way to get the word out about what we do across the state of Georgia. To find out more about becoming a corporate sponsor, email sponsorship at gpb.org. Welcome back to Political Rewind. Speaker David Ralston made his way out of the studio a second ago. He's got a lot to do downtown getting set for this uh, upcoming session of the Georgia General Assembly. Before Jim and I uh, continue our conversation, let me remind you all that um, on Monday, we've got some special programming for you. We're going to do a special inaugural edition of Political Rewind 
on Monday at 1 o'clock. And it'll be on both radio and TV. It'll also be on Facebook. It will be on Facebook Live, won't it, Tom Faust? Yes. Um, and then at 2 o'clock, we're going to present the entire inaugural ceremony. Uh, it'll be, Jim, you'll be with us, thank goodness. We'll be over at Georgia Tech where this thing is unfolding. Loretta Lepore is going to be with us and uh, Dr. Andre Gillespie. So we'll all have a chance to talk before the inaugural and then we'll get to fill in here and there when the inauguration ceremony is underway. We'll have to dress up. We'll have to wear ties. I know. I I know. I'm afraid you're right. Jim, you know, I... I think one of the things that we, when you when we, every time we talk to David Ralston, whether it's you separately, me separately, together like this, um, I think it's fair to say that on both sides of the aisle, even though not everyone agrees with him, and Democrats have a lot of issues with some of the things that Ralston does, we, we see here again, this is a guy who thinks through, he's thoughtful, he's moderate in his approach. Um, you're never going to get David Ralston hanging out there on the edge, taking up the kind of social, uh, the kind of crazy issues that cause so much disruption in our political process. Well, you've got to you've got to remember how he how he came to came to be speaker, and that was you had you had the the, the Republicans take over the House, I think in uh, in two thousand four, mm-hmm. two thousand uh, two thousand five, uh, right. when, when they were swearing in uh, the Glenn Richardson was exact was kind of a Newt Gingrich type. He was a, a really real. Uh, he was a he was a bomb thrower. And 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 wanted to take it and make a, a, a many many ideological points. Uh, things didn't work out. Uh, his speakership collapsed. Ralston was Ralston was brought in to 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 kind of to to bring stability to yeah. a very very rocky house, and he's done that over the years. And it's it's not uh, it's it it might get a little bit harder for him today because he or this this year because he's lost uh, he he's, he's we we talked about these eleven uh, member uh, Republicans that he lost in his chamber. Um, most of them were in Metro Atlanta, which means they were a little bit more moderate, a little bit you know more business oriented than than uh, than the rural lawmakers and. And that that voice is going to be missing from his caucus now. I think if there is an issue that uh, if you were to poll Democratic members and, and Democrats probably in a larger way across the state, it may be. Tell me what you think about this. If, if there's one area where they wish they could move Ralston, um, I mean, he's great on religious liberty to them. He's already mm-hmm. held the line on that. He introduced his Pastor Protection Act as a way mm-hmm. to uh, stave off the, the people who wanted religious liberty bill. Uh, it's on Medicaid expansion. It strikes me that that continues to be one of the most difficult issues for Republicans and Democrats to reconcile uh, down at the Capitol. Right, right. He and he and he and Nathan Deal are very, very much on the same page in that they are not convinced of the the that the the federal government is a is a a longtime reliable partner in this and that's that's what's causing a lot of the a lot of the the angst especially in in rural areas the the crux though is that you know you can't get economic development to to a, an area that's vastly underemployed unless you have health care yeah the other area where i think it's going to be interesting to see how to watch how republicans and democrats interact during the session is my guess is that democrats are going to be much more eager for more uh, significant and major election reform measures. Mary Margaret Oliver yesterday on the show said she really uh, wants to see legislation introduced that would eliminate exact match, which was by far one of the most, or certainly one of the most contentious issues during the entire election campaign. But you're going to, you're on the Republican side. You're going to see some efforts to kind of push, push yes. uh, their their issues. Uh, you might see an attempt to 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 uh, curtail early voting. Yep. Uh, you might have a uh, the, the exact match uh, uh, process that you were talking about is, is is more policy. There may be a push uh, than, than than statute that you may see a an effort to put that into statute. Right. Uh, and and quite frankly, you're probably going to see a lot of uh, of uh, uh, little tweaks to to house how the how house districts are drawn. Uh, in order to shore up a, a, a few uh, a, a few uh, members here and there. So do you imagine that we're going to see a bill introduced 
that will maybe redraw some districts where Democrats made gains in uh, oh, yeah. Gwinnett yeah. County and the like. I'm thinking think so. to run out of territory at a certain. Oh point. yeah, yeah. At, at a certain <laughs> point, at a certain point, you do. But you, but you recall this is this was uh, this was the one area where 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 Democrat Stacey Abrams uh, got a lot of criticism because I think it was a a, a 24. Maybe a 2016 uh, bill that she that she and her people didn't pay enough attention to, that that probably cost them a seat or two down in Henry County. Yep, redrew it uh, some district lines that allowed Republicans uh, to hold on to safe seats down there. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you asked him if there was a surprise in the session uh, that he, you know, maybe th- is there an issue that's going to come come up that maybe uh, we're all going to be surprised by? Did you have something in the back of your mind on that? No, but 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 uh, but I hope it, I hope our listeners realize that we we did make a little news here. Uh, you had the, the the speaker of the house saying uh, drawing the line on on gun legislation. Yep. Uh, saying it's basically saying that he did not want to see any any legislation that it would allow uh, concealed uh, weaponry to be carried without a permit. Yep. Yep. I was interested in that, and I can't help but wonder how Governor Kemp will take on that issue. He talked about it on the campaign trail. Um, and it's all part of that larger question we're all going to be watching, which is how will how will Brian Kemp govern? Does he uh, govern uh, uh, as a guy playing to his base or is he going to have to move to the center a bit? And that's one of the issues that will give us an indication on how he's going to govern. Yeah, that's that his <clears throat> inaugural speech is going to be very, very closely watched. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on. Uh, we'll what the session starts on Monday, and we'll watch that unfold. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, let's talk just a little bit about Georgia and the president's speech last night. It was interesting to me that, among other things, uh, in 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 his uh, Oval Office address, the governor actually cited a Clayton County murder, a really heinous and uh, grisly murder of a 76-year-old man down in Clayton County killed by. Um, allegedly an undocumented immigrant, all part of the president's effort to make the case for why we need to uh, keep people from uh, entering the country. Yeah, this is, this is Robert Page. He's yep. 76-year-old grandfather. Uh, he was, uh, I think, murdered with a hammer by, uh, allegedly by uh, Christian Ponce Martinez. Uh, I think the fact that he was undocumented was was a little bit of news that the president broke last night. I'm not sure that we were aware of that. Uh, it was it's been talked about here locally because in the aftermath of the murder, uh, uh, he, was uh, he, he, he was beheaded. Yes. Uh, the victim was beheaded. And uh, we've, we had a couple of GBI employees resign when they photographed themselves with, 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 with the head. So that's what that, that's what that murder has been mostly known for. So uh, reaction from the Georgia delegation was completely what you'd expect it to be. The Republicans pretty much towed the line and said they support the president on this. David Perdue once again, proving he is one of the most staunch and fiercest allies of the the president when it comes to the president's policies. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, if you listen very closely to 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 an in, that interview that he gave on Bloomberg, there there were a couple things that were, were interesting. That on on the more disturbing side was was that he that he said that this could go on for another couple of weeks, yeah. uh, which which you know you you've got a bunch of of, of workers out there. As the speaker mentioned, uh, who who that's going to be hard for them to take. But at, on the other hand, uh, Purdue also said it was time for the Senate to take a greater role in the negotiations, and that's what's been missing. And that's pressure on Mitch McConnell, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who has simply refused. To get involved, there's all sorts of speculation as to why he thought he had a deal with the president that he could bring back to the Senate, get a vote on to keep the government open, give limited funds. The president then backed out of it. The speculation is that McConnell felt that he'd been wronged and embarrassed, and so was trying to stay out of it. But more and more Republican senators, like a Purdue, coming forward and starting to edge towards saying, "You can't stay on the sidelines, Mitch." Yeah, I've, I've counted three Republicans in the, in the Senate, in the U.S. Senate now, who are saying it's time to get the government back to work. I think uh, it was, uh, uh, is it, my God, Murkowski uh, is now kind of Susan, moving in that direction. Susan Collins. Susan Collins is moving uh, Corey, in that direction. Corey, is it Cory Gardner? Cory Gardner of Colorado. They all have, because they have, Cory Gardner, of course, has got a, 
uh, a, a race coming up in 2020. But, you know, Purdue said something else. He, he took advantage of uh, the, the shutdown to talk about something that's been a theme of his virtually since the day he took office, which is, and you can't say he's wrong, saying the way we uh, pass spending measures in Congress is a little bit nuts. Here's what he said on Bloomberg. We're in the fourth month of this fiscal year that we're talking about. And the second fact is, because we stayed here in August last year in the Senate, we actually funded 75% of the discretionary budget. Now, as, as outrageous as that is, that's the first time in 22 years that that even got done, David. So this just smacks of the dysfunction here in the whole funding process of our discretionary budget. Two things about that. Number one, as a business leader, as a corporate CEO, you can imagine that the way they fund government drives him crazy. (laughs) You can't really fault him for that. And of course, he talks with some pride about their staying in session in August. It was David Perdue who took the lead on saying, why do you think we should all get to go home, go on vacation? There's work to be done. Right. And so so if you have somebody like David Perdue saying it's time to... uh, trying time to force the issue here and try to bring a resolution to it that indicates something yeah. it really does i think um it reminds me and we talked about this on the show uh, yesterday and we'll certainly be talking about it for weeks and months to come as we approach the 2020 election cycle david Perdue has staked his political future on being aligned with president trump come hell or high water and it's going to be interesting. Uh, we we this week, uh, maybe since we last talked, uh, Stacey Abrams has said she's going to give herself until March, uh, the end of March, I think, to make it a call on this. You've already got a number of people waiting. I don't know if they can wait that long. Well, I was going to ask you about that. We've we've got very little time left, but I was struck by that too. Waiting until March, I get that Stacey Abrams ran such a strong campaign. She did so. She really deserves the Democrats' respect at this point. But yeah, March, that's a long time to keep others on the sidelines or to put them in a position of having to jump in only to find out that she is going to be there as an opponent. Right, right. And, and her advantage, of course, is she's got a financial network yeah. it's already established. And the others would, would, would certainly have to crank it up. So much, you know, there, have you noticed there's no such thing as a downtime in politics anymore, and especially in the election process? Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. We're out of time uh, for today's Political Rewind. Jim, thank you so much for uh, being here. This is kind of an off day for you, and you came in to be part of this conversation oh, no, with, with the, the speaker. With the, with the speaker, you can't miss that. Yeah, we enjoyed having you here. Um We'll be back on Friday at 2 o'clock with another live show. And by the way, it's Friday night at 7. It's this Friday night that Political Rewind will now be on our TV side, on our our PBS stations across the state. So if you don't hear the show on uh, Friday afternoon, you can watch what we talk about on Friday night at 7. And Jim Galloway will be with us for that show. Jim, again, thanks for being here. Thanks to uh, you all for listening. See you again Friday afternoon.